So today we're going to talk about how bananas and broccoli are not the same thing, especially when it comes to nutrition. Well, when we look at our health, it's a direct reflection of what we're putting into our body and the decisions that we're making on a daily basis. So you can't want health and not be willing to own your part in your well-being and, and your family's well-being. Yes, yeah, so we talk about, you know, we're earning the things that we get, especially in regards to our health. So the the effort, the energy, the time, you know, the prep, the planning, all of that has a lot to do with the outcomes and the markers that we see with our overall health and what we're putting in our body, whether it's good or bad, is going to our health is going to be a reflection of that and we're earning the good or bad results of our nutrition. Yeah, imagine, you know, what that's going to create with a, a generation of kids who own up to understanding that they have a responsibility for what they put into their bodies, for what the outcome actually is. And, and when we look at making any change in life, it's, it's painful. Change in general is going to create discomfort. But change really happens when you, you realize that the pain of staying the same is going to be worse than the pain of change. And you have to make a decision to make the first steps and, and have it be a firm decision and stay consistent with it. Because really any successful change comes down to consistency and creating habits because our habits are going to end up shaping our values. And what we teach our kids that we value their value system, we need to be congruent and, and consistent with it. So things that we, we value are things that we don't deviate from. And it's just crazy to me how we've gotten to a place culturally that we don't take responsibility for our health and we we say that we value our health and you know if i were to ask anybody if they value their health you know everyone's going to say yes but things that you value are what you put the most time and energy into and we see that fall short when it comes to our health yeah the in the nutrition side of things you know what that looks like as an example is say like well, we value being healthy we value doing this but then we have a cheat day or we run out of time uh you know the day gets away from us and then well, I didn't have time to do this, so let's just swing in and grab some fast food. Let's go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or, you know, fill in the blank with wherever, whatever place you go to. Uh, and, and, you know, your kids are watching that and they're saying, well, it's cool. Let's make nutrition a, a priority. We value that. But if it gets too busy for us, then that's OK. That's like saying the example, you know, we value being kind to other people, but you have a bad day so you can be a jerk to everybody around you. Like that doesn't work. So we have to have that same consistency and congruency when it comes to our kids. Yeah, and it really it comes down to convenience. You know, when we get to the weekend, if we're tired or, you know, things are coming up, it's, yeah, like Zach said, we just, you know, make a quick trip through the drive through But we don't say, oh, on these days, what we value doesn't matter anymore. And you have to really think of the congruency of the message that we're, we're showing to our kids um, and really the congruency in our, in our own lives. So what that looks like for us and, and what we try to get – you know, all our children to really understand is that we look at food as fuel. It, it helps us to do the things that we need to do. It helps us to do them better. If we're eating quality, quality nutrients, we're putting good things in, we're going to have good things come out. So we, we've started from the very beginning, the very first foods that you know, our kids have are health building foods. It's going to be doing things that are going to positively impact their performance, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, we want to make sure that you know, they know and they experience right off the bat from what we do with them that quality in has a quality end result. When you look at the, the food sitting in front of you, when you apply the mindset of 
this food is either going to build health or it's going to be building disease. When you think about there's all the things that I I need to be doing today, the things that God calls me to do. Is this food going to fuel me in the right way to give me energy or is it going to make me sluggish and tired and not allow me to reach my God-given potential? And when you start to look at your plate that way, we can start to bring congruency and it changes really the mindset of, of food. It doesn't become this quick, fast thing. We need to be really intentional about what we're eating. That's why the more that we've learned about nutrition, fast food is really destructive because we're not focusing on what we're eating. We're distracted, we're driving, we're putting things in. And it should absolutely be a a time and place that you're sitting down and having a meal and you're aware of what you're putting in your body. We, We all say that, you know, our body is a temple, but then we don't think about how destructive we are with what we're making the choice. We have the free will. We're making the choice to put damaging things inside of our body. And then what that looks like to the little eyes that are watching us. And that's why the first foods that we start our kids off on have such an importance. It, it starts them on the right foot and it helps to build healthy habits going from childhood into adulthood. Yeah, when we look at the the beginning stages of what we introduce, our culture now has us putting fruits and sweet things as the first things introduced to a baby's palate. And and you look at how uh, baby food manufacturers do this. There's like a tiny amount in fruits and vegetables, and then they load it with banana or uh, pear or any type of sweet fruit. And so right away, we're training their palate to crave sweet flavors. When in reality, we should be setting the tone with a child to develop the, the taste for vegetables, the more sour, the more bitter taste. Everybody likes sweet. We don't have to try to train our children to like sweets. I, I remember growing up, like my, my go-to fruits were pretty much the bananas, watermelon, pears, all the really, really high sugar. You forgot the number one thing you ate while you were pregnant with all of our kids with grapes. Yes. Like <laughs> super sweet. Like Sweets and that's like a layup like to get kids or adults to really enjoy the taste of vegetables is huge. The other thing when you look at the with baby food, you know, even though the front of the label may show you know spinach or broccoli or whatever, then you flip it over and look at the actual ingredients of what you're getting. You find that those are like the little add-ins on the back end. So like what Aaron's saying, it's it's so important that we develop the taste for the things that most adults don't actively seek out on their own, and that's vegetables. And a lot of times parents will go towards the the banana and the other sweet fruits because they feel like when they start to introduce foods to their baby that that they didn't like it. Or, you know, I, I've had parents say, well, I've, you know, I tried avocado and they like didn't seem that they liked it. So then I added some banana to it. Give your child a little bit of time. Be patient with it. They haven't had anything else introduced to them. This is the first time that they're learning how to put a solid food in their body. And so they're learning how to, what it feels like in their mouth. And, and a lot of times they spit it out, not because it's gross and they didn't like it. It's they're trying to just, they have the sensation. They're trying to figure out what that feels like and how to coordinate it. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how to use their tongue for the first few times, like <laughs> yeah. a, a sixth or seventh, eight, eight month old, you know, if they're, if they've had breast milk primarily or exclusively, or maybe formula by adding in avocado or, you know, like pureed or steamed spinach, 
they're not going to not like it. It's just, it's something different than what they're used to. The other thing that we see a lot of issue with for parents incorporating foods for the first time is that they add too much variety because they're worried that their kids may get bored with the taste. And again, going back to that, if they've, if your child has only had breast milk or one thing their entire life, they're not going to get bored with something different by adding avocado exclusively for, you know, one or two months. That variety isn't isn't even a thing that they have an idea of that concept of. So, you know, stay consistent and give, give the, give them the opportunity to develop, you know, the taste for that, let their body get used to digesting that new thing and then start adding slowly, you know, one vegetable or one thing at a time. And and we actually, you know, with just kind of talking about baby foods is they don't need to be exclusively purees. We've gotten in this place culturally that we transition that the first foods are all like these pureed, uh, just blobs of the yeah, things that we're putting or something. Yeah, like that we're putting in their bodies. We actually, you know, I, I like the the baby being able to lead us in in what they're capable of doing and how much they're wanting to eat. So it actually is good to have things be a little bit more kind of chunky and have them be able to to do things that they can grab and they can start to learn how to do it themselves. I, I've had parents, you know, say, Oh, I my child hit you know, four or five months, and now I have to start them on foods. There is not a set time that every single child should start eating. It's completely different for each child. When, you know, I I like the biggest cues are when they're functionally able to grab something and pull it to their mouth is a cue that they're ready to start that. If you have a child not even doing that, why would you be putting food in their mouth? Yeah. And they should be engaging. Like if you have them holding them on your lap and you're eating and they're like actively watching that and reaching for the food, they're starting to get neurologically ready to do that for themselves. And so there's no set day for that or set age for that to occur. You know, one of our, our kids was closer to eight, nine months when they were ready. We, we you know, tried to introduce, did not want anything to do with it. And then, you know, another one of our kids ready at right away five months. Um, and it's not the same and there's no pressure to do it. You can be doing exclusively, you know, breast milk for longer periods of time. And as long as the baby is consistently gaining weight, that's okay. And, you know, these are things that Aaron and I have both been guilty of, you know, making not necessarily mistakes, but we've been under that same way of thinking as well, where, you know, we, we thought Ezra was ready for solids because he had his first couple teeth, he was sitting up. And when it came time to us introducing those solid foods to him, he just had zero interest in, and even trying to eat them. And with Moxie, you know, she started tracking and watching us bring the fork to her mouth and seemed much more interested, even at three, four months old. And she has done great introducing solid foods from an early age. Uh, the other thing that we both did before was, you know, puree all the food. We made sure that it was very soft, almost like that pudding texture. But with Moxie, she's done great having a little bit more of a of a coarse texture with the foods that we were adding in. And she actually has done better with the, the little bit more solid food than the really soft puree. And think about the insanity of where we're at culturally with how we introduce foods is we're told to start with like rice cereal and adding that into a bottle. I think this is the craziest nutrition advice that I've ever heard from a pediatrician. A mom came in and the baby was having issues with reflux and was colicky and constipation would go almost two weeks or went a full week uh, at two weeks old, not having a bowel movement. Um, And the baby was just constantly crying. And so the pediatrician recommended to add rice cereal into the baby's bottle at two weeks old. 
you look at a baby does not have the enzymes capable of breaking down starches like that. And yet this is the biggest advice that this is old, old, old. No one should be recommending this anymore. We found this actually damages a baby's digestive system when you're adding in the rice cereals early on. And and even, you know, there's still that mindset. I, I have some parents um, who they're like, you know, uh, my mom and dad said I should start introducing rice cereal at like three months because that's what they did for me. Again, it'll this help is them sleep through the yeah, night it'll help them to sleep through the night because they'll be more full. These are empty calories. So do we really think it, it sounds smart to put empty calories into a baby? They're growing and they're neurologically developing and it's silly to put empty calories in there. Everything needs to be nutrient dense. And that's what they're getting from the, the breast milk there. And there's times that babies start to sleep through the night. And then there's times that they start waking up more because they're going through growth spurts and they're needing to consume more. But then the advice of giving them rice cereal so they sleep through the night, well, their belly's full, but then they're nutrient deprived. We, we've actually, when you, you look at our country, um, they, they've actually said that we are the most overweight yet nutrient deficient population. Yeah, they they say we're overfed and undernourished across the board in our country. And that's, that's and we're crazy. starting it from birth. Like we're right. starting it from a, a young age as a baby. And so, you know, we, we just wanted to kind of t- to shift the mindset of, you know, when, when we are starting things out culturally, we're going right towards the carbs and the sugar and the sweets. And so if you have a baby, definitely change the tone of it right away. But if you already have older kids, don't feel like it's too late. If, if you've done those things and you've started them out that way, um, you know, don't beat yourself up for it. It's okay. But don't give up on them now. Don't say, well, I already created these habits. And so, well, it's too late. My kids, you know, won't eat healthy foods. They, you know, only want to do sweets and we give them a pass. But in any other component of life, when do we just give up on our kids? If they're not being led to make the right choices in life, we don't just say, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. I kind of messed up and that's it. <laughs> that's silly. And so think of the same thing nutritionally for them is if they're not making good choices and we have to lead them to understand why it is important and it's going to be a little bit painful for them to make the change, but you got to sit down as a family and say, we're making a decision to do this together because our health is important. And think about the tone that that's going to create as they get older. They're not going to have to work as hard as you're going to have to work to make changes. It's just going to become second nature for them as they, they focus on health. They focus on what they put in their bodies and it's not going to be a struggle. It's just initially getting that change as a family. Well, it's not even necessarily, I mean, it is something that they would focus and put, put in the forefront of their mind, but you know, the beauty of starting at a younger age, even if they're eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, you develop those habits and it's not even something that is a thought. It's a reaction. They just go right for the healthy option. It's because for majority of their life, that's what they've eaten. So, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get kids on board, if you're trying to, you know, have, your, your adolescents or even teenagers do this and they don't have a means of getting junk food or you know poor quality food on their own, the easiest solution is to just stop bringing it into the house. You know the, the beauty of kids and humans in general is that we're not going to starve. We're not going to let ourselves die and wither away if the only available option for food in the house is good healthy food, eventually the kids are going to eat it. Well this is such a, a big thing that we have to really take this to heart and call yourself out if you're you're somebody who says this 
is I can't get my kids to stop eating junk food. Who bought it? They didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, we've had that conversation many times. Like, oh, I didn't realize that your seven-year-old drove up to the grocery store, picked up the, the packet of donuts, and brought it home, paid for it with their money, and then brought it home. Like, like you have to not bring it in the house. Right. And the only options that they should have are healthy options. And so that's a beautiful thing is that when everything that you buy and that is in the house is something that is healthy for them to eat, then they have the illusion of choice. Right. Yeah. Open up the cupboard, open the fridge. What do you choose? But when you have chips and donuts and sodas and all of those foods in there, of, of course, they're going to want to go to those things. You know, the other thing that works really great when it comes to kids getting on board with the, the eating healthier options is allowing them to help in preparing dinner, cooking breakfast. You know, that was something that Jude and I started right off the bat and he wanted to get on YouTube and make videos of us making smoothies together. And we let him pick the ingredients and gave him that illusion of choice. Like he could have these as the add-ins, this as the base. Uh, he got to do everything, blend it all up. And even if it was something that he wouldn't normally want to drink entirely, the fact that he helped make it and had a choice in, in being a part of it, yeah, that was huge. He finished everything and he took pride and ownership in it. So if your kids are struggling with eating vegetables, let them pick the vegetables, let them decide how to prepare it, maybe let them help prepare everything or cook them. And then at dinner time, watch how much more readily agreeable they are for eating those vegetables because they take ownership and pride in preparing it. And they get excited when they see mom and dad eating those same vegetables that they, they put the work into getting ready. And on Sunday nights, really planning out your week of what meals you're going to do, you can ask your kids to be a part of it. And so give them a few healthy breakfast options or a few healthy dinner options and let them choose which one they're going to do. They're much more willing to to try something that they got to be a part of making the decision for. And then when it's already scheduled out, it is amazing how much kids like routine and schedule as much as they may fight you on it initially that gives them peace. <laughs> kids are so much more uh, more calm and uh, prepared for things when they have a schedule set. And so they're ready to transition into it. And so you already have your meals planned out. They know what they're going to be eating. And so there's not arguing when it comes time for it to happen. It also creates a tremendous amount of accountability for mom and dad. So if your kids know that today is the day where we're going to do taco salad and you're running short on time and everything in you wants to run to fast food, your kids know that it's taco salad night, not fast food day. And the look of disappointment, if you try to break the routine once they're used to making those choices, and especially if it's something that they help to pick and plan, man, that makes it such an easy, uh, an easy way to get right back on track and find some other time in the schedule to be able to make that a priority because it's huge to create that consistency. And again, going back to showing by leading through example that you value your nutrition, regardless of how much time you feel like you don't have to prepare it. And the other thing that we want to have you guys implement is finding your absolutes as a, a family of the things that you definitely don't bring into the house. So we want to share some of our absolutes when it comes to nutrition is we make sure that anything we bring into the house is uh, non-GMO, so non-genetically modified. And there's a ton of companies now that are doing the volunt uh, voluntary labeling that from the non-GMO project. And so it has just a little butterfly in the front and it says 
non-GMO project verified. Um, you know, this is something that is very controversial as far as we don't know the long-term effects of genetically modified foods. But I can tell you that I am going to stand strong on not having my children be uh, an experiment because this is a first generation of of kids that are going to be completely exposed to genetically modified foods from birth. And we don't have any long-term studies of what this does to the body. So we make sure to avoid genetically modified foods. And one of the big things also with that is um, the genetically modified foods are made to withstand Roundup. Um, and so there's high levels of glyphosate found in those foods, which leads to leaky gut and autoimmune disorders. So uh, we want that toxicity out of there. Um, another one of our absolutes is uh, no soy, um, no artificial colors or flavors, no artificial sweeteners, uh, no MSG, and we make sure that our proteins are right. So with the proteins, what Aaron's talking about is if it's an animal product in general, we're going to get the very best option that's available. For beef, that means 100% grass-fed, grass-finished. You know, we are not, even though it may be organic, we want to make sure that they're fed a natural diet, they're not fed grain, uh, and that they're fed entirely grass or a natural diet for the entire duration of the animal or the cow's life. Um, you know, with when it comes to chicken, we want to make sure that we're looking for free range or pasture raised. The term cage free or all natural means basically nothing. The standards to label something cage free essentially just says that the chickens have uh, a source of natural sunlight and access to the outdoors through an opening in their their container. Uh, so a thousand birds in a giant room with an open door and a window for natural light would essentially allow them to call this product a, a cage free bird. But in reality, it's just a bunch of chickens stuck in a massive cage. Uh, when, it, when we look, talk about fish, we want to always go wild caught over the farm raised, regardless of what the person behind the fish counter says. Uh, wild caught is absolutely far better because the, the ratios of omega-3, omega-6, omega-9 fatty acids are in a natural balanced ratio. They're also found that toxicity is much, much lower when it comes to free range, or uh, I'm sorry, wild caught fish as opposed to even open water farm raised fish. Uh, and then that going back to like dairy, cheese, eggs, all of those things have equal importance. So if you have a little bit of wiggle room in the budget for investing in higher quality things, then it's focusing on animal products first. And a this was the absolute first line in the sand that Aaron and, I'll, Aaron and I drew for ourselves when it came to nutrition is even when we were both going to school, we were on a super tight budget. We had very, very little disposable income. We focused on the animal products before anything else. That maybe means that we didn't get organic produce or we ate less uh, meat or we didn't have as much eggs or whatever. But if you can't afford to invest in quality animal products, don't eat them. And it, it's just as plain and black and white as that. If you can't invest in the good quality things, don't eat it. We don't need to have it with every single meal. So invest in the best quality options you can. And we encourage you guys to start introducing different types of, of snacks and food ideas with your kids, like olives. I have so many parents that wouldn't even think of to, you know, put some black olives or green olives cut up uh, in a to-go dish and have that be a snack for your kids. Pickles are another awesome thing to do. Sauerkraut, there's tons of different flavors that you can do. Introducing that 
um, to Ezra. He's uh, just going to be two. And he when he eats sauerkraut, he takes a bite and goes, mmm. And, you know, I, I laugh because I'm like, what kid is like, mmm, I love to have sauerkraut. But introducing fermented foods and that different type of taste, he is so much a uh, uh, bitter and, and willing to try any of those uh, sour tastes because we introduce them early on. And, you know, I, I really don't like introducing things like, you know, bananas and fruit really until they're, they're past a year and a half or closer to two because they're going to like them. You, you can pretty much guarantee they're going to like those foods. So let's develop their taste buds to everything else first and, and just start thinking about different types of snack options. A lot of the snacks that we like to add in with the kids are uh, things that have good healthy fats like uh, chia seed pudding. We do coconut flakes. Uh, we use macadamia nuts a lot with the kids. They love those uh, because they have a little bit like a hint of sweetness, but it's not so much. Uh, the big thing that we try to do is add variety so that when they open up the cupboard to look for something that uh, you know may give them a, a snack option, we know whatever they pick is going to be healthy and, and, and be great for them. So don't wish for your life to be easier. Just make yourself better. And there's the only time to start making yourself better. It's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. You just get a plan of when you're going to start it and then have the discipline to execute it. If you're willing to put in the work and discipline, you can accomplish just about anything. And life, again, is not going to get easier and calm. And then all of a sudden, that's when you can make these healthy changes. You just have to start now with implementing it. So your next step is connecting with us online. You can go to bornbold.life. Also share this podcast with any family members, friends, people that you know that have kids or are around kids because the biggest thing that's going to create success in your life is by strengthening the people around you and building your tribe of people that are doing the same things with you. It also creates accountability, which is huge. So connect again, it's bornbold.life. We love you guys and we look forward to sharing more. Love you guys.